Good morning. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through the end of that, and then uh, Matthew 21 through verses 11. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, it's page 853. Now as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should, not, they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which had been spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciple went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their garments on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem... All the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. The word of the Lord. And whether you've uh, attended church, church services all your life, or maybe if, even if this is your first one, you've probably heard about Jesus. You've heard his teachings, you've heard about his miracles, uh, you may have even heard about how he died on the cross, he was buried, on the third day the tomb was empty, he was raised from the dead, he spent time with his disciples, and then he ascended into heaven to be with God the Father. You may be familiar with a number of those things, but have you considered what caused such controversy when he entered Jerusalem that eventually led to his death? You know, when you, when you inspect the person of Jesus, when you get to know Him, the knowledge of Christ produces diverse reactions, diverse responses. And some people, they see Jesus and they see Him as a, as a great teacher, a good teacher. Some people see Him as a champion of the oppressed. Some people see Him as God in the flesh, and they worship Him, and follow Him, and praise Him. And some people see Him as patriarchal and delusional. You know, Jesus, in our day, creates a, a number of different responses. 
And you can imagine, if he creates those type of responses now, surely there was a mixed reaction to him, especially when he went public with who he is in that first century town of Jerusalem as he entered the gates as king. See, Jesus has this agenda, and the agenda is political, but it's much more than that. And at the right time, Jesus is going to let it be known what his agenda is and who he is. And one thing you've noticed about Jesus, if you've read anything about him, especially in the Gospels, is that Jesus, he, just, he manages his press well. You know, he's always on the move. Uh, he never stays in one place too long. Uh, he, he, he heals people. He teaches. But he's always on the move. And even some of the people that he heals, he tells them, okay, don't say anything about this. You know, keep it, keep it uh, kind of under, under the uh, radar here. And so you could think about Jesus as, you know, he might make the local news, but he's not making the national news. You know, he might make, you know, page eight of the uh, paper, but not front page. You know, he's managing it well because he's going to come out at a certain point in time and show people who he is and what he's all about and what he's doing. He has an agenda. He's bringing about reform and he's going to let it be known, but he's building up to this point where he wants to go public. And when he does, just like with anybody who goes public with their agenda, there's going to be a mixed response, right? And what I want you to see from this passage are three observations. The first observation is that Jesus is very intentional with everything he does. And as we walk through this passage, we're going to see that Jesus prepares the way. He makes sure everything's in place in order to get his message across. And the second thing that we're going to see, the second observation is that as Jesus comes as king, he comes in peace. But he comes as king. And the third observation is that when Jesus comes as king, cloaks will be laid down and the trees will clap their hands. So let's first look at how Jesus prepares the way. As, he, as you move through Matthew chapter 20, you see Jesus has his sights set on Jerusalem and he's preparing to make this big announcement. Now, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem with thousands upon thousands of other people because they're preparing for the, the Passover feast of the Jews. And so everyone's making their way into Jerusalem. And as he moves through toward Jerusalem, he passes through Jericho and his ears catch the cry of two men that can't see. And the crowd tells them, you know, you all just need to be quiet, which Jesus himself had told people to be quiet after he had healed them. But this time... His eyes catch the ear, and he's attentive to the crime. And even in their blindness, their physical blindness, they recognize Jesus as the son of David. He's the king. He's the coming king over God's people. And yet he asks the Lord, they ask the Lord, will you heal my physical sight? And he grants their request. And he heals their blindness. They see him for who he is. And they merge themselves into the crowd that are about to squeeze into Jerusalem. And I think one of the reasons Jesus heals their blindness is because that's, about, that's what he's going to be about in the next week of his life. Taking the blind spots out, making sure you understand who he is, what his agenda is. He's going to put on a sight for all to see what he's come to do. 
And so he takes away their physical sight, and now he's preparing a sight for all to see as he makes his way into Jerusalem. So not only has he prepared the way by walking through Jericho, making his way to this village, healing uh, physical blindness, but also as he comes up the Mount of Olives, he ascends the Mount of Olives, which lie to the east of Jerusalem. He tells two of his disciples, I want you to go into the village, and I want you to get this donkey. And I want you to bring him back to me. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and He will send them at once. Now, we don't know how Jesus did that. We don't know if He he had been to this village a number of times before. We don't know if He had arranged this beforehand, or if He just you know, foresaw the situation and was able to uh, navigate His disciples through it. We're not real sure, but we do know this. He had prepared this. This was intentional. He wanted this donkey, this specific donkey, this donkey that had not been ridden before. And that's how he wanted to come into Jerusalem. If you think back through the Gospels, has Jesus ever came into any city on a donkey? I mean, all we see is Jesus walking around. And yet he's going to come in Jerusalem on a donkey in a very intentional way. And this was not just put in place the day before or the week before or the month before, but this was put in place centuries before. See, the prophet Zechariah prophesied about this one who would come, this deliverer of God's people, this king of God's people. And he says this in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and this is roughly around 520 B.C. when he writes this. He says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Matthew actually quotes part of this passage in Matthew 21, verse 5. And so what we see here is this, you know, this donkey transportation is not just some random arrangement that just happened. But it's very intentional. It's been you know, centuries in the making. And I think this tells us a little bit about how Jesus prepares Himself, not only to, and prepares those around Him to display who He is, not only in this first century context of how He comes into Jerusalem, but even how He comes into our own lives. I mean, just think about this. All of us in this room, we were born different times, different places. We were raised in different contexts, different cities perhaps. We've moved here and we've moved there. And yet, today, we've gathered in one country, one state, one city, one corner of the city in this building for this time. And you can explain that in a number of ways perhaps, but one way, one possible way, is that Jesus is preparing you. Perhaps He's preparing the way. And specifically, perhaps He's preparing the way to become King of your life. And that perhaps is why you are here. Now, some of you have experienced Christ as He has ridden into your heart as King many years ago. And perhaps this morning He just wants to 
give you a gentle reminder that he, in fact, is still king. The next observation that we see in this text is not only does Jesus intentionally prepare the way for his coming, but he also comes in peace, but he comes as king. And there's no mistaking, there's no mistaking how Jesus presents himself. Like I mentioned earlier, he manages his press. You know, some people see who he is, some people don't. He manages his press well, but now he's going to be very explicit. He's going to show all the cards. And he's going to tell you exactly who he is. And yet, surely you seem you could you see how this is somewhat strange. I mean, if you want to if you wanted to show yourself as king. I know if I wanted to come in as king, I would probably choose an animal different than a donkey. Just saying. I would, I'm thinking more like Clydesdale style, horse, something like that. But a donkey, you know, a don- and you don't even have a saddle. You know, Jesus doesn't even have a saddle. They have to take off their coats and put it on the donkey so it can sit on. And he's coming in as a donkey. And you may think that seems strange. And I'm sure the Romans thought it was strange as well. But in Israel's history... Uh, there were a few occurrences of this. And, and basically the point is this. If you are a king and you're coming into a city to conquer, then you ride a war horse. You come in on a, on a horse. But if you're a king and you're coming in peace, then you ride on a donkey. And so the people are gathering around. They're lining up the streets. And Jesus is coming down on this donkey and they're all caught up in the excitement. You know, they're laying down their cloaks. They're waving palm branches. They're yelling Hosanna. He's on the donkey coming in. I'm sure some people, though, at least raised an eyebrow and said, you know, I thought the Messiah was going to come in and, and deliver the people of Israel from the oppression, the political oppression of Rome. He's coming in on a donkey. Maybe, maybe I'm not seeing something here. You know, maybe... Yes, that seems to be he's coming in peace to make peace, but I don't, I don't really see how that's going to work out. But Jesus is coming as king, and he comes into Jerusalem that day as king, but he comes to make peace. And we see it in verse 5 when Matthew quotes Zechariah when he says, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. See, the people were thinking... Jesus is going to come and he's going to bring about political peace. But what they don't realize is that Jesus came to make peace between man and God. That's his mission. And so he comes into Jerusalem to make peace with God and man. And we'll see the rest of this week as we gather for the Monday, Thursday service and the Tenenbrae service on Friday and Easter morning. We'll see how he did that. How he comes in. And... It's largely due to the cries of the crowd that just a few days earlier were crying, Hosanna, save us, please save us. And it's interesting how quickly they changed and now they yell, crucify him. And it's through his death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus Christ secures the path of peace between God and man. And that's his agenda. And that's what he is showing forth to these folks that are all lined up as he comes into Jerusalem. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, God has us here for a reason. He's very intentional. 
And perhaps this morning God is preparing your hearts and my heart as well to make peace with God. Especially if you've never done that before. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, maybe this morning Christ is preparing you to experience peace with God through His death, burial, and resurrection, through placing your faith in Him. And the reason I say that is because there is a window of opportunity. And we've all heard that term before, this window of opportunity that we have to respond to the grace of God. Because what you, what you see in the Scripture is that, yes, Jesus, He comes in on a donkey. He comes in to establish peace. But when He returns, He comes on a horse. And He comes to judge. And so between those two comings is this window. And this window is limited by a few things. One, this window of opportunity to respond to the grace of God. It's limited either by your death or the return of Christ. And so yes, Jesus comes as King and He, he comes to bring peace. But the window of peace is only so long. And so I want to encourage you, even this morning, to meet Christ as He comes on a donkey instead of meeting Him when He comes on the horse. And so we see Jesus, He's very intentional. He prepares the way. He prepares even the way into your heart. And yet we also see He's coming in peace, but He's coming in King. And being a King, He demands submission. Even though He's coming to establish peace, He demands submission. And the final observation we see in this passage is that when Jesus comes as king, when he comes as king, cloaks will be laid down and the trees will clap their hands. Now I want you to imagine uh, a newly elected president of our country on his inauguration day or her inauguration day. And you have Pennsylvania Avenue lined with thousands upon thousands of people. And as the president makes his way down the street, everybody's crowded you know, on the curb, waving their flags. And what they're doing is they're waving their flags and they're basically saying, they're demonstrating that we support you, we recognize you as our leader, as our president. And in a similar way, as Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives, on this well-worn path into the city of Jerusalem. Thousands upon thousands of people already coming into Jerusalem because of Passover, and yet they recognize what Jesus is doing, and they all gather around, and they begin to lay their cloaks down, and wave these palm branches, recognizing that Jesus is King. He's the Son of David. He's the Messiah. He's the one that would deliver God's people. And this idea of laying your cloak down, it's not that you're just laying your your jacket down so the donkey's feet don't get dirty. That's not the point. We can look back even in the the book of 2 Kings when, when Jehu became king of Israel. When the people around him learned that he had become king of Israel, this is what the writer of Kings says in 2 Kings 9, 13. He says, Then in haste, every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. See, when they saw Jesus coming down the Mount of Olives, coming into Jerusalem on that donkey, they took their cloaks off, they laid it down saying, you are my king. I recognize you as king. 
I'm aligning myself with you as king. You have my, my allegiance. However, the people wanted a king like David. A king with a sword that would put down the enemies. And what they didn't realize is they were getting a king greater than David. That would not just put down Caesar, but put down Satan. They were getting a king greater, much greater than David. And yet they were standing there with their cloaks on the ground, waving their palm branches, yelling, Hosanna, which means save us. But it was, it was as if they were yelling, you know, save us from our circumstances, instead of yelling, save us from our sin. They're yelling, you know, save us from our, the hostility that surrounds us, instead of saying, you know, save us from hell, from being separated from God. They're yelling, you know, save us from political oppression, instead of yelling, save us so that we can have a personal relationship with God. See, the problem is, they were yelling Hosanna, they were laying down their cloaks, they were waving the branches, and we do the same thing until Jesus' agenda differs from our agenda. And that's what happened. So they wanted one thing, Jesus was bringing about another, and once they figured that out, their shouts went from Hosanna to crucify Him. And it's the same with us. We're on board. Christ is our King. As long as our agendas line up. Or as long as I don't have to make some life-changing decision. But the nature of Christ being King is that he doesn't ask you and me to bring in our agenda. He asks us to bring in our surrender. We are to submit ourselves to His agenda, to His rule. And the question is, you know, are you willing to lay down your agenda and take up His? Are you willing to submit to His rule even if it means life change? And what we see here is Jesus has prepared a way for us to enter His kingdom, to be a part of God's people. He, he's come in peace. He's not going to force you to do that. He's not going to force you to do that. He's not going to pull out the sword and force you to do that. But yet He's prepared the way nonetheless. And you have an opportunity to come to Him. And He does, he does demand submission. And what that means is we must lay down our agenda and take up His. And the way we do that is by faith. And we believe that through Christ, what He's done for us on the cross, that He's accomplished all that needed to be accomplished for us to have peace with God. And we simply embrace Him by faith. I want you to ask yourself the question, what are you trusting in to deal with your guilt and shame? What, what are you hoping that will make peace between you and God?
Christ said He's come to bring peace. And it's through His work and His work alone. And it's through the saving work of God. By our faith, we appropriate that in our lives. We embrace that. We take on that. We enjoy that. We enter into God's people. It's through faith in the saving work of Christ that we willingly lay down our agenda. We lay it down. And we take up those palm branches. And we praise Christ for what He's done. Let us pray together. Lord, we come to You this morning laying down our agenda, laying down our wills, laying down all of those things and people that we're trusting in to uh, bring us satisfaction, to deal with our guilt and shame, to deal with our sin problem. Lord, we lay it all down, realizing that it's only through what You've done that we can experience peace with God. Lord, I pray that each person here would experience Your grace. And as they taste of Your grace and Your love and Your forgiveness, that their hearts would leap for joy. And like the trees, as You come back, as You return, the prophet Isaiah says, the trees will clap their hands with joy. And God, I pray that our hearts, as we taste Your grace, would clap their hands with joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.